Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. You know, Shella, I'm entering in an interesting period in my life. And what's that, Matt? Uh, My daughter is entering her senior year of high school, and so we are busy figuring out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. So is she is she thinking of college? Is she thinking of a trade? Right now she's thinking of college, but uh, we will see. I, I remember when my son was a senior and he would kind of go back and forth between, do I want to go to college? Do I want to join the laborers union? Because of course, you know, he comes from a family of laborers. Right. So um, that was a big decision for, for him also and for the family. You know, I know there's a lot of people in that circumstance around this state. And today we're going to talk about that. So today we're talking about the next generation of Ohio laborers, and the best person to address that is the person that coordinates the next generation for us, and that is Vincent Irvin. He's the Ohio Labor's statewide apprenticeship coordinator. Welcome, Vince. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Shella. Vince, why don't you start a little bit by telling us about how you became a labor? I've been a union laborer for 27 years. My home local is Labor's Local 265 in Cincinnati, Ohio. I joined uh, the Labor's Union uh, after I left the Navy. I worked a couple of years in non-union construction before I joined the union trade. I wanted a better life for myself and my um, emerging family, I suppose. I'd recently gotten married and uh, I wanted better pay, better benefits, security. It's been a great career for myself and family. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that was before there was an apprenticeship program in the labors. Yes, that's right, Matt. Um, the heavy highway apprenticeship program began in 2006 in the state of Ohio. When did you become the apprenticeship statewide coordinator? Um, that would be 14 years ago. Vince, what was the need of the laborers union that inspired them to start the apprenticeship program? Well, training, of course. You know, training is something that sets us apart from the non-union contractors. It is training by far and how training can increase productivity for the contractors. Uh, It increases opportunity for the laborers who um, receive and take the training, as well as keeping the the labor safe on the job sites. Our training is top-notch, first class. It's the best in the nation. Um, in the construction industry at no additional cost to the membership. So it's quite a deal um, and quite a bargain for the industry and the uh, laborers. Well, Vince, we talked about my daughter being a senior in high school. If she was interested in becoming a laborer, how would she go about getting registered with the apprenticeship program? Well, it's so easy, Matt. We have an online application Um, for the general public to submit. Um, The applicant needs to be at least 18 years of age, have a high school diploma, a valid driver's license, uh, and be able to pass a pre-employment physical. Outside of those uh, requirements, we will teach on the job as well as in classroom instruction what that new apprentice needs to know to be successful in the industry. Uh, We removed many of the barriers and hurdles that was traditionally in registered apprenticeship. We wanted to keep our um, application or entry process as simple as possible. And what percentage of our members are female? Less than 6%. 
I understand that there are very few women involved. And I saw that when I worked down at Labor's Local 83 in Portsmouth. You know, I was never out in the field, but I worked there in the office. And so I saw the member list dealt with the members that came in there. And at the time, I think maybe out of our, I believe we had 700 and some members at the time. I, I can only remember maybe five, six women, if that, in the local at that time. What do you think about that? And, and what can we do to increase those numbers? You know, that is very frustrating as a apprenticeship coordinator when I'm traveling through the state, when I'm looking at apprenticeship data, I'm walking the halls of the training facility, and uh, it's predominantly uh, male in the classroom. There are some creative things that we're doing that has increased uh, female participation in the last couple of years, and that is uh, simply by having our uh, active female apprentices and journey workers be part of the recruitment process. Who better to attract and retain a female workforce as females talking to females? That has been very helpful to us, allowing the young female apprentices to go to high schools and career fairs, uh, go to the state fair uh, and those types of events and exhibits. And uh, so women can see that women can do this work. I was able to uh, visit a couple of events where some of your young women apprentices were speaking and you could just see some of the, the women in the audience just were really enthralled by them and had lots of questions and lots of interest. So I do think that that is a, a good tool that you're using, having women um, recruit women. Yeah, you know, I believe that my role or purpose in, in that realm is to provide, uh, whether it's a female apprentice, Hispanic apprentice, or, you know, even a male apprentice, provide them the resources, the materials needed, uh, and a little bit of upfront training on what to say and how to say things when they're visiting a school or a classroom. But I, I believe we should turn these young apprentices loose and allow them to be a mouthpiece for um, you know, our future workforce development. They do a great job. Vince, I know you recently talked with some of our female apprentices about their experiences. Why don't we listen to some of those interviews in their own words? Every day is a new adventure, but you never know what you're going to get into and how working construction and the things that we do to build our community well, it, you persevere down the line. So it's just, it's just an honor to be able to do this. Before I got hired in the union, I was doing home health care. I was only working 20 hours. I could barely make, make the ends meet. You know, I was taking care of my three kids, and it just wasn't working out. And I, I started college, but it was really hard to, you know, go to college with three kids by myself. My stepdad is in the union, and I asked him about it, and I called the union hall, I went in and I just filled out, you know, the application, took the test, and I got a good grade. And next thing I know, they hired me. I started out, you know, I'm an apprentice, so I take classes at the training center. I love it. I come up here and they feed you good. The instructors teach you how to do new things that you never thought that you'd try. I make great money, and I can provide for my children. You know, we it's it's wonderful. I love it. I love working outside. They were really good with taking what I've done in the military and pretty much transferring over to their apprenticeship program. Currently, I'm working with the paver, um, learning how to pave, learning how to rake, shovel, learning slope, tonnage of the trucks, 
a lot of stuff. I like it a lot. I had to take a couple weeks off to go active military for a little while, and they were 110% okay with it. And when I got back, they welcomed me back like I never even left, and it was awesome. Even if you're a girl, try it. You just never know, you know? It's, it could really pay off in the end. Those are great words from some of our female apprentices, and we definitely need more of them. Um, as we're talking about the apprenticeship program, Vince, is there training or classes involved? And if so, um, how many are required to complete the apprenticeship program? There are 432 hours of classroom training required uh, prior to completion of the apprenticeship program. Um, do you need to have construction experience before you apply to that program? No, absolutely not. What we're looking for outside the minimum qualifications of the program, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at desire, willingness, uh, teamwork. Um, you know, that's what we're looking for in a candidate, someone who's willing to give it a shot, give it an opportunity, um, give it their best, give it their all. Well, we talked about the classroom hours, and while those are important, I don't think that that really trains our members to be journeyman, how many hours does it take to become a laborer journeyman? 4,000 hours of on-the-job learning, um, as well as the 432 hours of classroom instruction, will uh, allow someone to complete the program. So, Vance, I understand once you complete the apprenticeship program, there's a way that you can get college credit? The apprentice does not have to wait until they complete the apprenticeship program to earn college credits. We actually initiate the apprentice into the local union. We indenture them into the Department of Labor Registered Apprenticeship Program. And we also enroll them in college at the same time. So that first year apprentice is enrolled in three different uh, programs. So they can uh, and will receive college credit for every class that they take at the training center Outside the craft orientation class, every course offers college credit. And I'm assuming those courses will transfer. Is that correct? Yes. They're earning college credits um, even while they're an apprentice. It, it's a great opportunity for a young man or woman to extend their education at no additional cost. Vince, the world of education has certainly changed in the world of COVID. So, how is the training center complying with all the rules that are around COVID and, and uh, social distancing and, and keeping our apprentices safe, but yet training them? How are we able to accomplish that? Great question, Matt. Our training facility is prepared and has been prepared to meet all the safety standards required by the federal and state uh, governments regarding social distancing and keeping uh, you know, people safe and out of harm's way. Some of the things that our training center has put into place, uh, traditionally where we would have 12 to 18 uh, trainees in a classroom, uh, we've reduced those numbers to nine trainees per classroom. Um, that allows for social distancing, that allows for spacing out of the classroom and the lecture uh, room as well. Um, we taking extra precautions to provide masks, of course, and sanitizing tools and equipment and space. 
we are separating uh, the trainees during lunch time. We're staggering their lunch um, times as well as even breaks throughout the day. We have a, a, a complete COVID protocol at the training facility to keep everyone safe. Vince, do you see the ability to move any of those training classes online or virtually? You know, I do. As a matter of fact, our uh, through our international training fund and the state of Ohio, our, our training fund in Ohio are working very aggressively to create online classes um, for all the trainees, as well as the journeymen that need upgrade classes. So um, we have a number of classes that are available now online. And as we speak, they are developing future online classes. It seems like regulatory authorities like OSHA need to change as well or and consider accepting some of this online training because we just can't gather to do the training anymore. Can organized labor be a voice in that effort? Absolutely, Matt. I'm confident that our leadership and our organization is working with OSHA. We're collaborating with OSHA and the um, the departments to make the necessary changes for our membership to keep them safe and well-trained. Vince, we talked a little bit about how to get in the program from the perspective of an individual looking to further their career, but how are you as an organization attracting those people? Well, we recruit in all different forms and fashions uh, and styles. Uh, again, one of the best ways, I believe, to to do recruitment, to provide recruitment dissemination is to allow our apprentices and our active workforce to be the mouthpiece for workforce development. So that's one thing that we're doing. Uh, I have a staff of five regional coordinators that work closely with the active apprentices and the journey workers throughout the state. And, uh, you know, we regularly ask membership to get involved in workforce development. One of the other things that I see a big change in or a trend is that contractors are getting more uh, involved in workforce development and recruitment. Uh, And it's been um, quite a nice, uh, refreshing change to attend a high school or junior high event, career career fair uh, with the contractors side by side, partnering together, uh, showing the community and the students that, that this is the pure definition of union, and that's the contractor and the local union working together to build the future of workforce. So that's really exciting as well. Other things that we do, of course, the trends are changing with the online application, of course, but using social media uh, for recruitment, Facebook, and and that type of tools needed to reach the uh, younger generation in the manner that's fitting to them. We also recruit, uh, again, an older population as well, and that would be through, uh, you know, our active veterans and National Guard in Ohio. Uh, We will visit the military bases in Ohio when the reserves are Uh, performing or they're there for their weekend drill and many of these young men and women especially in the construction engineering battalions have extensive military training uh, in construction however they're not working in the construction industry with their day job so we enjoy going to the military bases promoting LIUNA 
uh, promoting the Ohio apprenticeship program, taking our contractors with us, and again, showing that collaboration um, with the military. That's been very successful as well. Vance, if you already have some construction experience in the armed forces, does that give you a jump start in the union? Absolutely. We take all of that into account when we register someone into the apprenticeship program. Um, it's called a credit voucher, but every military veteran receives a portion of credit uh, for on-the-job training and classroom instruction for serving our country. Vince, you talked about the contractors coming alongside you to help recruit the next generation of laborers. What other benefits are there for contractors to use apprentices? I can reflect again what contractors have shared with me. The, the youthfulness, the vitality of having that young person, again, not knowing everything, of course, as a journeyman would, but watching that individual grow from the first hour, the first month, the first uh, year into the organization, uh, watching he or she grow into a fine construction laborer, uh, that is something that I find very rewarding. And I could say also, you know, that's the benefit of the contractor utilizing the apprenticeship program. So for people like my daughter who don't know what they want to do with the rest of their lives, what could I tell her? What are the top things that I could tell her about being a laborer? One are the wages. We earn excellent wages as an apprentice. Uh, your starting wage will allow you to move out of mom and dad's house into a apartment of your own. I'm sold. <laughs> Benefit packages that uh, our labors earn are first class, none better. Um, so wages, benefits, and I, you know, the safety that they training they receive that are uh, through our training center, that would be the top three wages, benefits, and a safe work environment. So what would Matt tell his daughter would be the actual type of work that she would be doing? Well, that depends on the contractor that she's working for. Um, for example, if she was to be hired on by uh, one of our highway contractors, she could be working as a grade checker, working with a grade checker. She could be installing pipe, underground utilities, traffic control. As a union laborer, we have eight core concentrations that we focus on. So as an apprentice coming into our organization today, he or she may be currently working in the building trades. However, uh, through training and on-the-job exposure, exposure, he or she will be able to move into the pipeline industry, utility industry, uh, environmental industry, heavy highway industry. So there are eight core concentrations that we focus and train on, and the apprentices will be exposed to all eight of those uh, categories while they're an apprentice. You mentioned earlier, but I think it's worth emphasizing again, there's no cost for this training to the member, correct? There's no additional cost. Uh, as long as you're a, an apprentice in good standing, uh, there's no additional cost for training. Instead of listening to us talk about the apprenticeship program, let's listen to some of our apprentices talk about their experiences with the program. Oh, I love the work. It's great work. I can't be in an office. I'm not an office guy. I'm good working with my hands, so... I knew I had to do something outside, and this is 
one of the best jobs you can do because your jobs go from different places to different places, different scenery. You're not all locked up in the same room. I'm making more money than all my friends will be after they get out of college. Plus they got the, the debt to pay off and everything else. The training is great. You learn how to do everything the right way correctly. That's another th good thing about the training center is they teach you the right way. They teach you how to be safe on the job. And that safety training that, that comes out of the union apprenticeship training programs are excellent. Um, uh, all the training that they need to perform their job, to be productive and to be quality workers, the union provides that and um, it's excellent for us. Well, there's actually a bunch of cool classes like they teach you how to weld, solder, and yeah, we actually get paid to, to come here and learn. It's all about helping you learn and helping you grow. So even when you think that you can't do it, hard work, dedication, and asking questions is going to push you a lot further. Yeah, the message to parents, to educators, to students, the, the construction industry is looking for talent. And, and if, you're, if you want to be um, outside and in this building environment and affecting it, there's, there's no better place to be. It's always great to hear what the apprentices have to say themselves. And Vince, how are contractors getting involved with you in the recruiting process? I saw this trend in the last couple of years where contractors are willing and wanting to visit high schools uh, in their area. And they will reach out to me and ask for pamphlets and brochures and displays and, you know, the, the normal um, product that we use to promote the industry and to inform um, the high school students about our program. So those are the trends that we're seeing in uh, contractor involvement. It seems that the apprenticeship program has strengthened those relationships with the contractors. You know, it, it has, Shella, um, in, in many ways. And, and quite frankly, they're all positive ways. It'll, it requires us to communicate daily regarding their apprentices, uh, whether it's a wage increase and evaluation, scheduling classes, um, completion of the program. So we're constantly communicating with the contractors. And while we're talking to the contractor about apprentice, it naturally leads into uh, another conversation about the industry. So we're learning and growing together uh, while we're building the workforce. For any of the journey workers that are listening right now, what would you want them to know if they find themselves working next to an apprentice? Great question, Matt. I believe taking ownership of the next generation of that workforce that will be replacing you at some point in time, taking he or she under your wing, um, providing guidance, words of encouragement, attaboys, girls. Um, those are the things that I would share with a journeyman, as well as we all had our first day on the job. Be patient, uh, be creative, uh, and be thoughtful of, um, you know, as this person is learning the craft, such as you learn the craft. Absolutely. I know in my own career, I've learned far more from the people I've worked alongside than from any book or any class I ever took. So I think that's so important to that next generation of labor. So how can people get more involved and get more information about the Labor's Apprenticeship Program? Well, there's a couple different ways. They can reach out to their local union, ask to speak to the business manager about the apprenticeship program. 
as well as visit our apprenticeship website, which is www.oltapp.com for more, for more information. And we'll make sure we have that listed in the notes to this show. Vince, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your knowledge about uh, the workforce development and the things that this union is doing to ensure that that next generation of laborers is well-trained. And yeah, thanks, Vince, for being here. And we look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks to give us some more information. My pleasure. Thank you both. You know, so I think that was really good information as the parent of a senior-to-be. Um, I understand now more about how a person can get involved in the apprenticeship program. I agree, Matt. I also realized with this interview with Vince is just how strong our apprenticeship program is, how strong our training is, and how it's building and strengthening our relationships with not only our members, but also with our contractors. We want to thank you for listening to Down With The Dig. You have made us a very fast-growing podcast, and we appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you. So please continue to like us, follow us, subscribe, and share it with your friends. And if you would like to leave a recorded message, comment, question, you can do that also at downwiththedig.com. Thanks for listening. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening, and let's be careful out there.